This is the third episode of The Stonk Show. I'd like to thank the dozens of listeners from around the world for keeping this show going. You haven't offered any tips yet, but I do keep receiving your two cents. Today, I have a close friend of a former co-host who happens to have vast knowledge on the credit markets. He also has no shortage of theses on the future direction of the market. As usual, this show is all about learning from those who've won and lost big. In these 20-minute Clubhouse episodes, we'll discuss the latest market-making news, jump into a conversation with my co-host of the week, and field trading ideas from the community. Anyways, let's get started. Yeah, he no longer holds on the shares of GameStop, but his words are enough to make another stock pop. Remember that this show is just for your laughs, not investment advice, though. We do love some grass. The Baron of Broad Street didn't hire the lawyers, but he definitely wants to avoid those court orders. Don't expect the stock show to be business-like. So back to Nick O'Neill. Hey, man, here's the mic. We are back with episode number three. This is an incredible number of episodes that we've had here. And I'm very excited for today's guest. Mo, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I do have to say, I still hold my GameStop shares. So that song what? might not apply to me. <laughs> You're still holding. Wow. Well, you've had a couple of great days then. <laughs> I have. And I will never sell. Never sell. You are you are diamond handing the uh, the GameStop. That's right. Uh, that sounds like an awful strategy, but uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I can respect <laughs> I can respect the uh, approach. So before we jump in, you want to uh, just introduce yourself. You're you're Mo, the uh, king of the credit markets, from my understanding. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I did spend time at Dick Morgan um, in credit uh, and, and on the restructuring side for a few years before going to a credit hedge fund, uh, a $16 billion credit and equity hedge fund. And uh, now I'm an engineer, though, so I've left that all behind. Well, maybe my uh, career will take the reverse approach where I go from being an engineer <laughs> to uh, being you know, an executive at a multi-billion dollar hedge fund. And and this show in particular is seems like the right path for for me to for me to uh, make that pivot in my career. I fully expect that exactly. That's exactly what I expect. So we're gonna jump in the first part of this show. There's three parts as usual. I'm gonna kick things off with the news portion. We had a sound effects glitch there, but still breaking news coming out. From the markets today, uh, you know, the bonds seemed like they were acting a little more normal today and the market was receptive to it. Uh, what was your take on today's bond market, Mo? Um, you know, one thing, I don't know if a lot of people saw this, but for the first time in a very long time, maybe, I don't know if it's ever, but in a very long time, the 10-year treasury is was for a second yielding more than dividends on the S&P. And obviously, 10-year treasury is supposed to be risk-free, dividends not so much. So that was an interesting thing to see. Um, that was occurring today? That, that happened today, yeah. Exactly. Or I think that happened, no, sorry, that happened um, last week. And by, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, go ahead. 
and, and by by dividends, you're speaking to the average across all dividend stocks in the stock market. No, just the S and P dividend yield. Okay. The dividend yield of the S and P 500. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, well, that's quite an interesting uh, phenomenon. What What's also interesting is so you wrote this article, your first article in your uh, you know growing newsletter career. It seems like we're on the same trajectory right now. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you were talking about the bond market in particular, and I thought that that would be a good starting point uh, for our conversation. But your hot take, if I'm reading it right, was essentially that uh, the market isn't imploding anytime soon, that mm -hmm. the uh, bonds are going to revert back to uh, being wildly expensive and thus interest rates being low. And so there's no risk. Uh, you're still buying stocks and you're holding on to them through the end of the year. That's right. Um, there's never no risk, right? So I wouldn't say that. But um, what happened last week was basically a lot of people waking up suddenly and um, kind of surprisingly how they hadn't woken up to this this whole time that 10 year treasuries are yielding less than inflation. Maybe that's not a great thing for people who are investing in 10 year treasuries. And they basically, you know, the 10 year treasury market said, Hey, we've had enough of this. Uh, we know the fed is trying to create inflation. And so we're going to try and get ahead of it and make sure that we get paid for the, for the money that we're putting in. And uh, there was actually a, lot of short interest on the 10-year treasury in particular, which is which is very rare. Uh, I don't know if there are a lot of people who follow the repo rate on your show, but the repo rate for treasuries on the 10-year specifically went negative for the first time in a very long time. And that basically just points to the fact that people were heavily shorting it, basically calling out the Fed and saying, hey, we, you know, what rate is, is high enough that you're going to step in? Is it one point?" 1.4, 1 1.5, 1.5, 1.55, right? They're just going to keep pushing it up until the Fed basically says, hey, we've had enough of this. And, the, and, and Jay Powell in his testimony last week actually even hinted on this a little bit where he was like, you know, we're watching markets. We hope that there are people who, you know, are not going to manipulate this. And we hope that people are going to be good actors. And I, I think that was kind of a nod to the fact that this is happening. Um, and obviously, we all saw the effects that it had. So the one thing that I'm curious about here, and when you describe uh, the the dynamics of uh, the market uh, going, well, it goes inverse to the bonds, but if there is a huge bubble uh, already in the bond market, what's the action that the Fed takes here that makes everyone say, okay, uh, back to pumping up tech stocks? Hmm, that's a loaded question because I don't know that everyone will ever do that. But I think what you're having is a tug of war a little bit, right? Um, bondholders want to be paid for the for the money that they're putting in, and they and they get paid through interest. They don't get paid through anything else, right? And the and the biggest risk they take is in the U.S. dollar inflation, or if you're an international investor, because you have to remember that ten-year treasuries are something that Japanese central banks buy that, you know, the Chinese buy that lots of people buy. It's not just Americans who buy this, right? So they're taking on that currency risk and the inflation risk, and they want to get paid for that. But the 
what the Fed is saying is basically, you know, you might want to get paid, but we need lower rates right now to make sure that we have strong consumption, that, you know, we actually create this inflation that people are so scared of or people are so expectant of. If, when you're talking about tech stocks, I think what's going to happen, if you're asking for my opinion, I think what's going to happen is eventually when the blackout period ends uh, in a few weeks where the Fed can comment again, they're going to try and say some things that kind of calm the markets down again, bring the, bring the yields back down. And uh, obviously, tech stocks apply with that. But I think the bigger question we should be asking is, what happens to all those bondholders who now say, you know, we tried, we gave it our all, we wanted higher rates, didn't get them. Where do they put that money next? I think a lot of that money is going to have to go to stocks and or crypto. So you're thinking that the, the, the Japanese government is going to say, man, we're not getting the movement we want on the interest rate. So we're putting all of our government funds into GameStop? <laughs> Not so much the Japanese government or the central bank, right? Because central bank and stuff, they don't really have liquidity issues. They, they can print as much Japanese yen and, and so on that they want. Um, it's more the pension funds, the, you know, the, 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 the holders of U.S. treasuries who, who, who go there as a flight to risk, or sorry, as a, a flight to safety, as opposed to the central banks who kind of hold them as reserves. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense. It's also time for the second. Oh, go ahead. Well, just as you're mulling that over, one thing to think about is, you know, you can imagine a Japanese investor saying to themselves or, or a pension fund saying to themselves, well, the Treasury's not paying me. At least let me put it into the index. Uh, and if I'm taking a risk, at least I'm going to get paid for it. Ironically, right now, the dividend yield on the index also doesn't pay you that much. So that's where. Um, you know, you might see some movement in tech stocks and crypto instead. Interesting. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense and gives me more confidence to pour all of my money into it. Uh, <laughs> and the next uh, portion of this is, that's the crowd clapping because they're glad to have you here uh, because they're excited to hear about your stock picks. Although in this case, what we discussed was your NFT picks. You seem to be a major purveyor of NFTs like uh, the Mona Lisa. Am I correct? <laughs> the Mona Lisa isn't an NFT yet. I, one day, maybe. Um, there are ways to do that. But uh, I, So I have plenty of stock picks. I have plenty of crypto picks as well. NFTs is a market that seems to be taking off. I think we talked about this a little bit. There's, you know, people have really short attention spans. They kind of, you know, when, when they're watching GameStop, they're not paying attention to all the earnings that came out that just crushed it, right? Similarly, people are watching these crazy memes get sold on NFT tokens on uh, various blockchains, and they're saying, oh, this is, this is all a hype, this is all crazy, but they're not realizing that there actually is a market that's forming here. And, and we talked about this, that, that the biggest wave of disruption that's going to come from NFTs is going to be in the music industry. Yeah, you did mention that. You want to share with everybody sort of what your thesis is on uh, NFTs yeah. and music? Sure, sure. Well, NFTs, just to recap, are uh, non-fungible tokens. They basically are, um, you know, digital creations that represent art. Um, they can represent other things too, but art is really what's taken off. And uh, you can imagine like, a, I think the last show you talked about a baseball card, except not physical, just a digital version. Well, 
forget a baseball card, right? Think about a song. Think about, um, I think Kings of Leon just uh, published their entire album on, as an NFT token. That's going to happen more and more. Why? I have never, and I, I've invested in a few, you know, things in the music industry before. I've worked uh, on like ASCAP, CMI, CSAC. Those are songwriter guilds, I guess you could call them. Um, performance right organizations is their technical name. But uh, one thing that's really clear when you work or see the music industry, and you guys have probably watched some shows about it too, that there is a huge discrepancy between the people who run the industry and the artists that, you know, make that industry exist, right? Artists just want to create their art and sell it for a good price, live, live, you know, live decently, get rewarded for their work and keep doing that. And music industry obviously is not at all about that. It's, it's more about volume than quality. It's about churning out hits. It's about getting likes, getting, you know, people's name out there, getting, um, getting hype. Those two are very divergent views. And right now the problem is that, you know, artists need the likes of Spotify and, um, you know, music labels, et cetera, to, to advertise their work, but they don't get paid a whole lot for it. And the economics don't really make a lot of sense for especially younger or, or less well-known artists. Um, I can go into that a little bit more, but that's basically the thing that NFTs can solve because what they do is they decentralize and um, democratize the creation and the um, monetization of music. And so you can imagine there's, you know, would artists love to have a group of programmers that make an app specifically for them to help them monetize? They'd love to, but they, they, they don't have that, right? They'd like to Spotify have that. Uh, imagine if they could have that themselves, if they could directly go from the art that they create to the platform that monetizes it and get all the benefits in between. And would you, like, do you think that uh, essentially NFTs become like the actual distribution of the music or do you see something more like Kings of Leon and some of these early movers, which are basically selling an edition or a couple of editions mm -hmm. of, of their album? I think it's, I think it's early movers, right? For now and early movers become the market later, right? Like when, you, when the radio first came out, was every singer on radio? No, it, it, it was a few, then, then, you know, a trickle became a flood. And, and now obviously we've evolved quite a lot since then, right? Same thing with um, CDs and uh, moving to streaming and, and all of that shift happened a little bit at a time and then and then a lot right so there are definitely going to be a few people who move in first the the way that they move in is probably not even going to be the final version of what eventually becomes the market standard but and i'm not even saying that nfts will ever be the market standard but they're a new source of competition that i think should be really exciting for artists yeah i definitely agree the other thing that you had mentioned or that we had discussed before, so there's uh, where you think NFTs have huge potential, but there was also uh, the bet that you're placing or trying to place was how do you, mm -hmm. how does somebody get in on this action right now uh, outside of, well, the song show will be issued as an NFT, so keep an eye out for that. <laughs> uh, however, separately, uh, what's the play here? Well, if you're an engineer... Um you know, I have to say it's like the dot-com boom, right? Like even if you think everything's a bubble, even if you think uh, this is all nonsense, it was, if you were an engineer in 2000 and you didn't learn software, you didn't learn like web development, et cetera, you kind of missed out, right? So like 
this is a great time if you're an engineer to kind of get savvy on this stuff because this is going to be the future, whatever happens with the market. Secondly, um, if you're an investor, uh, I strongly believe, especially in crypto and in, in kind of buying the shovel makers rather than the gold itself. I think that's like an analogy that people are pretty familiar with, right? When there's a gold rush, don't, don't join the rush and try to find gold, um, sell shovels, right? So there are a lot of things out there that are in that realm. There's a rareable, obviously that's a token. It's a very inflationary token. So it's, it's not one that I buy personally, but it's one that artists can earn if they go on the rareable marketplace. They can very simply, it's almost like Instagram. You can upload your picture, upload your music, whatever it is you want. And when people buy it or engage with it or like it even, you get um, rareable tokens, which can represent value. Um, those things trade it. I think right now it's like $30 or so. I haven't checked in a few days. Um, the one that I'm really excited about is this um, is this token called Slow. Uh, it, it, luckily, we live in the free United States where we can't buy it legally, um, even though we're supposedly free. Uh, but uh, it is something that I think is very exciting in that it, 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 it's really the first blockchain for artists who want to be on, who want to use NFTs to market themselves. Um, I think that's got a lot of legs on it and it's, it's going to grow like wildfire. And so uh, you, when we chatted before, you sounded like you were in the process of trying to uh, manufacture an alternative way to make a play with flow <laughs> without uh, breaking That's the law. Right. Well, this is, um, yeah, this is, I guess, uh, breaking news that hasn't been uh, released yet. But yes, yeah, so in, in crypto, there are ways to create synthetic tokens that track the price of another token without actually letting you invest in that token. And frankly, it could be the price of anything. There, there was one famously, I think last year, that tracked the number of poop sightings in San Francisco. Um, there are other tokens that you can make that track Tesla stock price or, um, you know, the Iranian stock exchange, right? Things that maybe um, you and I as investors couldn't directly invest in, but through the magic of, uh, you know, cryptography and, and uh, decentralized finance, we can trade regardless. And so it, it trades at a fixed price or a one-to-one -one, kind of like, I guess, a stable coin? Yeah, so it's uh, it's not exactly like a stable coin, but it, it is in, in the way that you're describing, which is that it represents something else in the world, and it kind of just you know what's what's the how many poop sightings were there today, and it kind of tracks that with the there, there's a whole bunch of economics behind it and incentive structures for how you can trade something like that, but um, that's essentially the point. Yeah. Well, if you bought the SF poop sightings, I bet you'd be uh, making a killing right now. Uh, although I haven't been yeah, there for a while, but I'm pretty confident it's uh, continued its growth path. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't been tracking to be honest. But if you can imagine, you know, um, having that be having the inverse of that, let's say, have, having government government officials in San Francisco short that index so that they're forced with their money on the line to fix this problem. You can imagine that that's actually a pretty neat way of aligning incentives. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Where is that trading? Like, where where can I go and trade these individual tokens? Poopcoin. I don't I don't know um, exactly. I think I think that one was made using UMA, which stands for Universal Market Access. Um, I think 
that's its own sort of uh, marketplace where you can where you can find that. So isn't the problem here, even if you're able to uh, generate one of these tokens that trades one for one to some other asset, you still need liquidity to be able to exit out of those tokens, right? Yep. Yep. So when you create those things, you actually um, sign up to be a liquidity provider too, unless obviously they become so big that other people join in with you. But you get, there, there's a whole um, incentive structure around it, but yeah, you get fees for it. You get, um, obviously you can make a market in it. So you're, you're creating a spread there too. Um, all of that. Exactly. Interesting. So you're, you're actually actively working on something like that right now? Yes. For, um, for not just this, but, I, but I think the, the possibilities are pretty endless, right? So, um, I've been working with, a, another friend of mine here in sunny Austin, Texas to track unemployment, right? Um, cause you can imagine that right now the fed is saying a lot about unemployment, but we don't really have a good measure of what the market with with their dollars is saying unemployment will actually be, right? A, a month from now, a year from now, and so on. You can imagine that an index that tracks unemployment um, could, and unemployment expectations could be a useful thing for the market to have. You can track real estate prices. I, um, a few years ago, was fortunate enough to buy a house in Austin, Texas, but I know a lot of my millennial friends don't yet own a house, but they want exposure to real estate, right? You can have an index that tracks the price of real estate in, in the U.S., right, which is not something that people can very easily uh, invest in right now. So there are a lot of things that become possible through these kind of mechanisms that I think should be really exciting for anyone. So before we discuss how I'm now the co-founder of your organization, uh, what I <laughs> want to bring up is uh, the third portion of the show, which is st starting momentarily, which is we're looking for uh, questions, stocks, uh, what our opinions are on them from the audience. So raise your hands if you are interested in finding out about any stock or a take on NFTs, and we will bring you on for the thunder round, uh, which is kind of the lightning round. Uh, first up, we have a former co-host. Uh-oh. Andy's up here. It's Mark. Hey. How's it going, Mark? Hey, how's it going? Uh, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> uh, so quick question for Mo. Um, you know, I, I think what you were saying, it sounded like a lot of smart stuff. Uh, you sound like a smart guy. So um, if you're so smart, why would you agree to do the song show? <laughs> I, I did it as a favor to a friend I have named Mark. He's also named Mark. Other Mark, let's call him. Okay, uh, Mark with a so K, clearly, probably. <laughs> um, no, anyway. Um, so we talked a lot about uh, NFTs, I guess, um, but let, I mean, it's the song show. So songs, tech stocks, other than GME, like what real companies do you actually like? Uh, with, oh, man, I think I have like, when things were on sale yesterday and last week, I went on such a shopping spree. I, I, I think I bought maybe 20 or 30 names. Um, I think we've talked about a few. I love love microsoft right now I, I mean microsoft to me is is cash as good as cash with 80 percent upside um so i've been buying a bunch of microsoft uh i don't want to give too many tips i guess because i'm scared that this will come off as an investment advice which is not but um 
man, there, there are so many. I love Van, uh, Bandwidth and Fulio. Those are two really solid names in the telecom space that I've been loading up on because they've crashed quite a bit. Supposedly, I don't know how this happened, but like all the chip stocks went down last week because somehow I, I guess we've all stopped using computers and smartphones and we don't need chips anymore. I, I didn't get the notice, but um, a lot of companies that are trading at like 30 times earnings like uh, like Taiwan Semiconductor and so on went on deep discounts and I loaded up. Lamb Research is another one that I bought. I remember a few years ago, they dropped 50% and I loaded up so hard on them that I actually uh, went into debt to my girlfriend <laughs> momentarily to try and get as much of that stock as I could. And boy, am I glad I did. So there, there are definitely a few um, that I've been buying that are quote unquote real companies too. But you'll be surprised, I think, some of these uh, crypto tokens that we're talking about will one day be real competitors to these real companies. So you think that, um, uh, what was the name of the semiconductor one that you just mentioned? Uh, so there are two, Taiwan Semiconductor and Lam Research. Okay, well, I've just, lo I've just loaded up on those. Thanks. Yeah, I was going to well, say, I just, luckily, I just, uh, Nick just put himself in debt to me because I have a Venmo <laughs> request for $5,000 now. So. Luckily, they were stuff. both up like 8 to 10%, I think, today. Um, right. Because I, I guess people woke up to the fact that we still use computers and that we're having a massive chip shortage. So, uh, got to know about GameStop. You're a smart guy. Uh, <laughs> I really love to hear this thesis. Like, are you just trying to stick it to Wall yeah, Street in the it. shorts or okay that, there's no other thesis I think that um, I think that almost everyone should just put in ten dollars or something it's it's like a charitable political donation almost uh, I bought in way long ago to where I've, I've I'm sitting on gains and I'm I'm, not, I'm neither selling nor am I buying more uh, personally right now but um, I just think that it's I mean, what a movement! What a and, and DFW is just what a guy. Uh, so I don't know why. Why not be part of something bigger? That's that that that's crazy. I, I think you just have PTSD from your banking days, and this is your way of getting back for like the hundred ten hour week. Like, yeah, what? yeah. You know, I rem you remember when the CIO COO of JP Morgan called me and was like, "Hey, you're working too hard," and I was like, "Yeah, no, no shit. Can you please?" Uh, can you please give me off some deals? Uh, maybe now he'll pay attention. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I think that. Honestly, yes, I, I'm sure. I'm sure your two thousand dollar GME position <laughs> will bring him to his knees. Exactly. I, I honestly, I don't think this is about making anyone hurt or anyone bleed. I do think if you if you really go to, I think if you go to like um, wherethesheriff.com or something, just the just the sheer um, blatant uh illegal activity that's happening in GameStop shorts, just a hundred and forty plus percent short position on, on GameStop and just the, the massive failure to deliver. I mean you remember we used to work with uh the DTCC and, and we know that that's not something that's sustainable and yet it happens every day. I just think that that's uh something that we could all, you know, vote with our dollars and uh draw attention to. So we've gone over on this show primarily because you have a lot of theses here and I would like to continue discussing it. However, 
This is the end of the show. Uh, we have no more time for uh, anybody else to offer any questions, uh, despite oh, the man, fact that I see about 10,000 hands raised right now. Uh, but <laughs> I just want to thank you, Mo, for coming on the show today. This has been awesome. Yeah, really appreciate you having me. Happy to come back, hopefully, if I'm not barred forever as a listener. And, uh, and, and wish you the best. You are not barred as a listener. I'm sure that you will be invited back for additional commentary <laughs> because you have a lot more than even myself, to be completely honest. And uh, you have a real basis for your ideas. So thanks again. Sure. Thank you.